This is The Guardian. Today, the prince who testified. Harry gets his day in court as he battles with the British media. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The build-up to this trial has been very long and then very fast. You had years, literally years, since Harry filed this case. It was in late 2019 when I was in the Guardian newsroom and it dropped that Prince Harry was going to sue both the publisher of The Mirror and the publisher of The Sun over alleged phone hacking. Jim Waterson is The Guardian's media editor. And it was a complete break with precedent. We didn't know what was going on and we we were completely blindsided. It came out of nowhere. And... For years, there's been these phone hacking cases that were as a result of The Guardian's reporting back in the 2000s and early 2010s. And most of the cases haven't had much coverage. So Harry getting involved was extraordinary. Tonight, Prince Harry firing another shot in his war with the tabloids. Buckingham Palace confirming lawsuits have been filed after the illegal interception of voicemails. Harry accusing the owners of The Sun and The Daily Mirror of intercepting voicemail messages. British public figures, including Elton John and Prince Harry, have taken legal action against the publisher of The Daily Mail newspaper. Then it went quiet for a few years, and suddenly the prospect of him actually giving evidence, actually appearing in the witness box, flying in to have his say and to try and bring uh, what he saw as the tabloids to account was uh, extraordinary. Uh, Prince Harry uh, arriving at court. It's the first time in 125 years that a royals uh, appeared. You had hundreds of people outside the high court waiting for him, photographers, TV crews, reporters. You had the world's media paying attention to phone hacking in a way it hasn't since the closure of the News of the World in 2011. And you had a prince who was finally able to settle some of the scores that he has been wanting to settle for a long time and to have his say in front of the public and to get his argument across. This week... The High Court in London has been hearing the case of Prince Harry and three other claimants against Mirror Group newspapers. Together, they allege that phone hacking and other illegal techniques were used by reporters and editors to get and publish stories over many, many years. From the most banal reports on the health of his knee to the most intrusive accounts publishing private details of his relationships... For Harry, it was the chance to prove why he believes the British press behaved unlawfully, without impunity, for so long. And to pile the pressure on one of the newspapers he claims made his life hell. From The Guardian, I'm Noshin Iqbal. Today in Focus, Prince Harry versus The Mirror.
Jim, you've been at the High Court in London all week, where Prince Harry became the first senior royal to be cross-examined in court since 1891. Before the session began, we got the release of a 55-page written statement from him, which painted a really vivid picture of how deeply he feels his life has been affected and damaged by press intrusion, and his specific claims against the Mirror Group. What exactly was in it? It was an extraordinary personal document that read a bit like a sort of letter you'd write your therapist for a briefing. It was uh, Harry on how he had been driven out of the UK by the tabloid media. It was about how This was a last-ditch way of saving his wife, Meghan, and his family from press intrusion. And it also included a number of specific allegations about articles published by The Mirror, which includes The Daily Mirror, The Sunday Mirror, and The People, about how he believes they must have come from illegal means, whether that means hacking into his voicemails or employing private investigators to dig up information that they shouldn't have been able to get hold of. And it was really... Two parts. It was Harry, my general feelings about the media and how badly they've treated me. Ironically, you know, he's the son of the king. He's about as establishment a figure as you could get. But he was the one saying that he felt the press were too in bed with the uh, UK government and that they looked after each other. And then there was the second bit, which was his specific claim against people like Piers Morgan, who he said had engaged in illegal acts against him and his mother, Princess Diana, against journalists at the Mirror, who he said had uh, probably hacked his voicemails in order to find out where he was, and alleging all sorts of wrongdoing. In the broadest terms, Harry claims that 140 articles were probably obtained using illegal means. And out of those, because that's just too many to deal with, the court is arguing over 33 of them. So essentially, there's 33 test articles in Harry's case, which forms so much of the debate in all of these hearings. Can he prove that they came from illegal sources? So he appeared to submit much of his evidence in that statement. And I wonder how the historic and bizarre day then began for him. How did he seem in the witness box? Well, we were all expecting him perhaps to be taken apart by Andrew Green, Casey, who is the uh, lawyer for the Mirror. And it's obviously ironic that he's a, a king's counsel and he's being deployed to take apart a king's son in court. But he was fairly deferential. His approach to Harry was almost to suggest that the prince was misguided. It was to suggest that Harry really clearly had suffered from press intrusion, that it must have been terrible for him. But he really didn't have the evidence on these specific claims against the Mirror, that perhaps Harry had been confused by the actions of reporters at other papers like the News of the World, that perhaps Harry couldn't quite remember the exact details, that he certainly couldn't prove that he had read the articles at the time and caused distress. He essentially portrayed Harry as the victim of a, of a stitch-up by his own lawyers who needed a high-profile case and suggested that Harry really had had it put upon him. So Green went in softly, softly, gently, gently, almost. And how did Harry respond to that? How did he take his time in, in that session to push back? Well, at first, you know, he accepted that he didn't remember a lot of these pieces at the time and that that he would remember a story breaking, but he wouldn't remember as a teenage schoolboy exactly which outlet had published it on exactly which day. And it's worth remembering a lot of this stuff is from the early 2000s. The guy was a teenager at school. Uh, he talked about the bullying that he received because even when he wasn't reading the articles, others were. Um, he talked about when people would read that he'd got an injury playing sports in the papers. He might not have seen that, but he certainly heard about it when other people took the mick out of him 
on the playing fields later that day at Eton. So all of this is murky because the record keeping is patchy because it's 20 years ago, or in Harry's argument, because it was destroyed on purpose. The memory of exactly who wrote what and what caused him distress is patchy because it's a long time ago. And journalists being asked to remember the sources of their articles from two decades ago, well, they've got a certain amount of deniability with the passage of time. So Harry progressed through really article by article claiming that it must have been obtained illegally, while the mirror every single time suggested there was an alternative explanation. Harry would say, go on, I just don't know how you could have obtained this legally. The only person who knew this was my brother and I often left voicemails for him. And the mirror would say, there's no evidence we were calling your phone. Sure, we hacked lots of other celebrities, but there's no evidence we were targeting you. And Harry's case is almost almost sort of about a general culture that you wrote lots about me. You hacked lots of people's phones and did lots of illegal things. We know that from previous cases. Ergo, you probably did that to me. And the mirrors say, you just don't have the hard evidence for that. And you can't just rely on a few vague invoices to private investigators relating to you. accounts, it was a very long, exhausting session, you know, five hours on the first day, around two and a half hours on the second day. Jim, what would be to you the key exchanges over those 33 articles that Harry submitted? Which were the most significant in this case? There's one about a conversation that William and Harry had about the former royal butler, Paul Burrell, someone who has traded for years on his relationship with Princess Diana. When I last saw Harry, he ran down the corridor, flung himself into my arms and just cried. He didn't know how to cope with this loss. There was nobody there to help those two boys. And in the early 2000s, they had a detailed report on the conversations between William and Harry, in which Harry uh, called Burrell a two-faced shit for going behind his, his deceased mother's back and talking to the media and seemingly exploiting his reputation as a royal aide. And Harry says, well, I was leaving voicemails for my brother. We were discussing this. I don't know how they could have got the direct quote from that. And that's the sort of thing we're dealing with because the mirror say, well, maybe people around the palace heard you. And Harry just says, no, I just, this was a close conversation. How would they have known? And another one, which is he particularly focused on a relationship with the late TV presenter, Caroline Flack. So what was your relationship with Prince Harry then? Well, it wasn't really a relationship. The thing is, I had to talk about the effect it caused because it was so intrusive. And it's not just showbiz journalists going, ooh, what's happened? It's people standing out my dad's house, my mum's house, my brother's house, my sister's house, my nan's house. They'd been chatting for a bit and leaving voicemails for each other. And he'd arranged to meet in 2007 at a friend's house so they could have a secret away from prying eyes uh, evening together. He arranged this with two friends and then mysteriously outside the paparazzi were already waiting for him. And he says, how did they know I was going to be at this flat in Fulham on this particular night? How were they already hiding under a car to get the photos, which then appeared in the People newspaper a few days later? He just does not know how they found out. And he says, well, you must have hacked my phone. And the mirror says, look, there's a more alternative, innocent explanation here. And in any case, this wasn't our journalists who were doing the tracking down. So you end up a lot in the weeds of these historic stories. And most of them really are low-level stuff. They're things that 
were about, you know, Harry's got glandular fever. Harry and Chelsea have had a little tiff. It was really detailed, but also slightly inconsequential reporting on his private life. And he just described how it really destroyed his his life, how it made him paranoid. And he now believes it was instead coming from voicemail interception or other illegal reporting. Well, from the reports that I've read, when you look at the court exchanges, it seems there's a pattern where Green will ask Harry about the specifics of how a story found its way to the press. And as you've told us, Harry will point to phone hacking and suspicious activity. And then the barrister shows him that the information was already in the public domain, you know, published by either another paper or that it had come from the palace. So going through those exchanges, it didn't seem like it was going great for Harry. But Jim, how did it look to you inside the court? There's definitely some of those stories, and Harry accepted in some cases. He is essentially presenting, this is my hunch that these articles were based on illegal material. I've got some invoices in some cases to private investigators, and in others, I just think you couldn't have got it another way. And it was relatively, you know, regularly that the mirror went, nope. This came from your father's press officer briefing against you in order to get better coverage for Queen Camilla. No, this came from your friends at Eton who are passing us source stories about you. Sorry, mate, bit underhand, but, you know, not illegitimate in the eyes of the law. Or sorry, you know, this just was a lift direct from another newspaper. I mean, there were some quite funny exchanges where lawyers just could not comprehend the low standards of British newspapers. We've heard earlier in the trial about, you know, surely you wouldn't just take a whole exclusive from the sun and stick it straight in the mirror without checking. And the answer came back, yep, basically, (laughs) yep. We'd get the first editions of the sun at 10 and we'd get most of it in the mirror by 11. Jim, at any point did the prince provide specific evidence of phone hacking? He made a number of allegations that he believed stories that appeared in the mirror's newspapers came from phone hacking. And we do know that Harry's phone was uh, targeted by journalists working for the news of the world. Clive Goodman claims he even showed his boss, Andy Coulson, the transcript of a hacked voicemail from Prince Harry. When the prince was at Sandhurst, he left a message for his private secretary asking for help with his homework. In it, he asked So that's definitely a thing. He was a victim of phone hacking by that newspaper. But the Mirror's case was, all these other people we've paid out to for hacking their phones, and the Mirror absolutely accepts that they hack lots of people's phones, There's loads of data. There's loads of call data. We've got the logs to when we were repeatedly phoning their their voicemails and then keying in the 0000 pin code and listening into what they were doing. We've got nothing for you, Prince Harry. And you still maintain that we were doing it to you. And his answer is, well, you were using burner phones. You were destroying records. But unlike in many of the other cases, there isn't that smoking gun. He would say that he'd often find that messages were... Uh, mysteriously read when he picked them up, but he said he sometimes thought he was just drunk and had listened to them the night before. Uh, From his teenage years onwards, he was always suspicious of what was going on because strange things would happen that made sense in retrospect. He says that they were phone hacking. Jim, later on the second day in court, Harry's lawyer took his turn to question him. How did Harry seem then and what did he have to say at this point? Being questioned by your own lawyer is uh, obviously a much nicer experience. And David Sherburn was really, uh, you know, serving up easy balls for Harry to to hit home. David Sherburn, who you might remember from the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp cases, and he also represented Colleen Rooney in Wagatha Christie. You know, Sherburn is the one who brought Harry into this case. He is the person who suggested he 
bring this case back in 2018 when they met at a a party in the south of France hosted by Elton John, of all people. And he was really getting Harry, at the end of all that disputed evidence, to make his case from first principles, to say, I believe that there is hard evidence that I was the victim of illegal behaviour, and also talk to the emotional impact of this case. Right at the very end, he said, it's been a lot. So, Jim, I mean, it's quite something, isn't it, when given how vociferous and how persistently Harry has pursued this case, it's actually happened almost by chance and that if he hadn't met Sherburn at this party in the south of France at Elton John's, we might not be here. Yeah, we we only really learned about this. Uh, there was references to it in Harry's autobiography, but we got a bit more detail and, and, and pieced things together. And it appears that in, in 2018, Harry was at a party in France and met David Sherburn, this uh, quite a debonair character who is a, a stalwart of the uh, media law scene. Well, you describe him as permatand in your piece. <laughs> I know. I, I, you know. I imagine I'll get a glare from the front of court uh, when I next see him. But uh, he's a man who doesn't shy away from media attention himself. He quite likes the limelight. But Harry was at this party in the south of France and he's just expressing so much exhaustion with how the media is covering him, so much tiredness with what they're saying about him and his wife, Meghan. This is a year after the wedding. And he's kind of despairing at how the royals are handling this on his behalf. And Sherman says, well, you know, we're bringing all these cases that have been rumbling on for a while against newspaper groups. Why don't you join in? Mm. And that appears to be the moment that Harry entirely, you know, leaves the royal family's lawyers behind, gets his own solicitors and goes down an entirely different route. It's a bit of a sliding doors moment, but that is where we ended up with what could have been a a sort of fairly low profile trial involving some former soap actors uh, against the mirror. We end up with Prince Harry's name tagged onto it and the global media attention once again being on phone hacking. And so this case is getting huge attention because of Prince Harry. But as you say, the trial involves many more people than just him. This isn't Prince Harry's trial. This is a trial of 100 alleged victims of legal behaviour by the Mirror Group, of which Prince Harry is one of the four test cases. The, you know, the, the, the arguments that he makes contribute to the ultimate findings that will affect substantially more people than just him. And even though we're all focusing on Harry, uh, really, this is about a much wider issue of illegal behaviour at those newspapers at that point. Jim, after Harry had given his evidence, he stuck around afterwards to listen to the cross-examination of the Mirror's former royal editor, Jane Kerr. Now, she was responsible for 10 of the 33 articles that were said to have included illegally obtained information. He linked her to a paper trail of invoices paid to private investigators titled things like Prince Harry Project. How did that session go? Well, by her own admission, she tried to get out of giving evidence. And she certainly did not want to be there. If Harry was treated with kid gloves, then David Sherburn visibly enjoyed picking her apart and she wilted under the pressure. It is not a nice thing to give evidence in in a high court with a barrister who knows what they're doing up against you. For her part, though, she had pretty strong arguments on a lot of those articles about where they'd actually come from, whether it was stuff that she'd picked up from another newspaper, whether it was uh, material that had been reported elsewhere or in a news agency copy. She had justifications for most 
of the articles that the judge might be convinced by. On some of the others, she just said, I don't remember where I got this from. It's 20 years ago. And Jim, what about Piers Morgan? Because he was the editor of The Mirror when it was first implicated in phone hacking. He's obviously not liked by Harry. I think the feeling might be mutual. Are you willing to apologise? Apologise? I think, I think Prince Harry should be apologising for his disgraceful invasion of privacy of the royal family. Do you think he'll be dragged into this? Well, he won't be giving evidence, but he might be appearing quite prominently in the judgment at the end of this. Piers Morgan has always denied being involved in commissioning or using phone hacking. To be clear, originally I said, I've never hacked a phone, I've never told anyone to hack a phone, and no story's ever been published in the mirror in my time from hacking the phone. All I can talk to is what I know about my own involvement. I never hacked a phone, I wouldn't even know how. He's also spoken at length about how phone hacking worked, but insists that he was just talking in generic terms. So there's a slightly strange thing where no ruling has ever found that Piers Morgan knew about phone hacking. He's always denied it, but we know it was going on at his newspaper while he was editor. The the impact on Piers, if it is ruled that on the balance of probabilities he knew, will be essentially reputational. But... That is something that Harry is clearly keen to do. Harry claims that lots of the negative coverage that Piers Morgan has given to him and his wife Meghan over recent years is because he's brought this legal case against the Mirror and threatened to drag Morgan into it. And that essentially it's a punishment beating for daring to speak up against what he says was unlawful behaviour by Morgan. Uh, Morgan, of course, denies that. Coming up. Has Prince Harry done enough to win? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Borough order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus 
today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Today in Focus. Jim, what about the rest of the press? I mean, can you media editor me through the rest of the media? How have they been covering the case? What have they been saying? Well, pretty much every newspaper in the UK, with the exception of just three, which is uh, The Guardian, The Telegraph and The Financial Times, is currently being sued by Prince Harry for phone hacking, or at least their publisher is. The Daily Mail said he must have longed for the schmaltzy embrace of Oprah. Uh, They're being sued by Harry. And The Sun said he was the privacy-seeking prince who contradicted himself in evidence. They're also being sued by Harry. So it's quite strange because if you're reading a newspaper in the UK, the odds are that you're reading coverage from a, an outlet with a vested interest in making sure that this, uh, this case is unsuccessful. You know, this is just the first of three potential phone hacking cases. This is the one against the Mirror. And there's two more against the publisher of The Sun and the publisher of The Daily Mail. And we're waiting and we're expecting within weeks to find out whether Harry can bring those two at trial. And if he is allowed to take them to trial, then you're going to have basically a year of Harry in the witness box or waiting to take the witness box as each of the trials takes place in turn. So, you know, this in some ways could just be the warm up. And frankly, and I don't want to sound rude about the mirror, but taking on the Mail and the Sun, they're bigger beasts and they are more powerful in today's media environment than the mirror is. So that's something that he would be welcoming, but one that uh, he's still got to convince uh, two judges to let him let him actually have. Well, Jim, from everything you've said and everything we understand, going under those cross-examinations can be extremely brutal. You've described others as being quite shaken up after giving evidence. How do you think, ultimately, Prince Harry did? And, crucially, do you think he did enough to win in court? Prince Harry, I think, will be pleased with how he performed. He didn't lose his cool. He got his case across... Whether he's done enough to win in court is a different matter. There's no jury. There's just one judge who'll decide this, and it'll be a written judgment delivered probably in a few months' time. That means that for all that Harry might have had verbal flourishes or all that he might have sort of been pleased with how comments were reported in the press, what really matters in the legal terms is whether he convinced the judge that on the balance of probabilities, not beyond reasonable doubt, beyond the balance of probabilities, he was the victim of illegal behaviour by the Mirror in these 33 articles. Whether or not he proves that in all of them, that's very unlikely. But if he can prove it in just a few of them, well, that's still a victory for him. And it'll still be the headline that Harry gets payout from the Mirror over damages due to illegal behaviour. And then it'll be on to the next two. Well, in the next few weeks, as you said, we expect to hear whether Harry's two other phone hacking cases against Associated Newspapers, the owner of the Daily Mail, and the other one against Rupert Murdoch's newsgroup newspapers, publishers of The Sun, we're waiting to hear whether they'll proceed to trial. What does an overall victory mean for Harry? I think you're partly seeing victory in the fact that we're discussing this on this podcast and talking about whether or not Piers Morgan knew of any illegal behaviour, whether or not the mirror was up to no good, whether or not his relationships really were destroyed in this way, and that he's certainly done a lot to undermine what remains of the reputation of the British tabloid media. 
a sweeter victory would be if a judge sided with him and awarded substantial damages. I don't think in any case it's about the money. And he says he also wants to do it so that others who also want to bring claims feel emboldened and able to do so. He feels that his whole life was basically ruined by the British media. And there's some talk that sounds like a bit like it came out from a therapy session, but there's some which seems to be just a deeply held belief that it is up to him and possibly him alone to take this on. Self-centered, Messiah complex is the criticism. Well, yeah, sure, but he's the one doing it. He's the one going through this unpleasantness. Almost everyone else settles before trial. He clearly doesn't want a settlement. He clearly just wants the trial. He kept saying, I've come here to court to give evidence. Why aren't the journalists who wrote the articles about me coming to give evidence? I've put my case across. Where's theirs? Touche. We'll hopefully see you at the next one if it goes ahead. Jim, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Jim Waterson, The Guardian's media editor. You can read his coverage of this case and more at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. I'm Nosheen Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Natalie Khatena. Sound design is by Solomon King. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back on Monday. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.